3: We're reviewing week 11, gearing up for Thanksgiving week, and helping you to manage your fantasy teams on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by my bookie. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. It is Thanksgiving week. Uh, we get three games on Thursday, which I actually really enjoy that. But before we break down the action from the week, of which there's a couple of key games to talk about, Matt. What is the one food item that you think most represents Thanksgiving?
1: Um, well, I mean, I think the chalk answer would be turkey, but for me, it's pie. I mean, like if I could do nothing but eat pie all day on Thursday, and it really doesn't even need to be like Thanksgiving Thursday it could be any Thursday or really any of any day (laughs) of the week. But if
3: all I could do is eat pie, like that would be Thanksgiving enough for me definitely can see where you're coming from with the pie for me i think the the singular thing that is most symbolic of thanksgiving is probably stuffing but i'm gonna have to press back i need a specific flavor of pie for thanksgiving i mean there well like pumpkin
1: is the obvious um i like cherry no matter what time of year cherry's so good yeah um you know and then there are people who uh you know prefer like um you know like sweet potato pie over Mm -hmm. uh pumpkin pie uh, I mean honestly like it's impossible for me to like narrow it down. Um but like cherry is probably my favorite, but uh also really like pecan pie. Um yep. and uh like key lime pie is good, but that's not really like seasonal, but really like any type of pie that's been invented except for mincemeat pie, uh I
3: am on board with. <laughs> i've never had mincemeat but you know what this makes me think of when larry david and curb is like uh how come you never see a grape pie exactly yeah. <laughs> why don't you see a grape pie yeah it's a, it's a good question I, i'd like to try it um all right so i i'll ask though to bring this back kind of to football with the three games on thanksgiving do you think it's a strong slate of games this this year are you kind of just looking forward to the the, uh, the thursday nighter actually
1: yeah, I'm not that interested in um, the Chicago Detroit game, and I mean, I'm a Cowboys fan, but not all that interested in the uh, Dallas Washington game. I think um, I don't know. I think Washington is actually kind of undervalued in that game. Um,
3: well, they do have Mark Sanchez now, so they they, they do have the Sanchez.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the Thursday night game, the uh, the Atlanta uh, New Orleans game, that should be a great game. Um, but the, the Chicago Detroit game, like now is maybe just like a, a, a good time to mention it. Like there's something like let's do the, the my bookie live read. Like that's that's an, an interesting game that everyone should be putting money on.
3: Yeah, actually I like that idea. So I'm gonna go right down because there's there's a very, very uh appetizing reason that you're gonna wanna hear this, which is have you ever wanted to place a bet but didn't because you were afraid to pick the wrong team? This Thanksgiving, it's finally possible for you to get a 100% refund on your bet if you lose it. That is insane. With the Turkey Day free play, you can bet the spread on either the Bears or the Lions. If it wins, you win. If it loses, my bookie will give you your money back up to $250,000. You literally cannot lose this, Matt. You no, cannot uh, sorry, lose.
1: sorry. I think you said $250,000. Just, oh. just want to make sure that people don't think they get $250,000 back.
3: Did I really say $250,000? I think you said $250,000. <laughs> yes, because clearly I'm, I'm placing a quarter million dollar bets on well, the you, daily, right? You must feel strongly about one of these teams. <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm going to put my remaining mortgage payment on my house down on uh, the uh, the Lions, I guess. So anyways, it's no risk, all gravy. My bookie offers such a great product and there has literally never been a better time to try them out unless your sports book is offering something like this, uh, which I highly doubt and as they are not going to be doing that you should make this switch. I've never heard of a sports book doing a freebie like this and I doubt that it will ever happen again. Matt, you've never seen anything no, like I've this. No, I've never before, seen right?
1: anything like this. I think this is awesome, great idea for uh, for them to do. It's very like user friendly. Um so yeah, like I've never thought as much about just a random Chicago Detroit game as I have about this one. Like I'm I'm really trying to dig deep and break this one down.
3: Yeah. The other thing too, just to mention too, that they are very responsive if you have questions Um and that's okay because if you're like just getting into the, the sports betting too, like you can you reach out to them with questions and they're, they're very good on the customer service side of things too. Uh So take advantage of that free play. And also if you sign up this week, my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money uh obviously when you win, so log on to my bookie right now and use the promo code ROTOVIZ to get fifty to get a fifty percent deposit bonus that's promo code ROTOVIZ. and again with the uh with the free play here, not two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but they will give you your money back up to two hundred and fifty, so definitely take advantage of that. And you don't even need to use the promo code for the Turkey Day free play. If you lose, they'll credit money back into your account automatically. So what are you waiting for? Sign up today and don't miss out on the gravy train at My Bookie. All right, Matt, it is time for the Little Lebowski Urban Overachievers. They're
2: the Little Lebowski Urban Achievers.
3: Okay. I think that we may have a name slipping into Uh, This section day that we've talked about before, maybe one or two, but whatever. So Gus Edwards, 17 carries, trumps Alex Collins in usage, adds 115 yards and a touchdown, ends up, Matt, with 19.5 fantasy points on the day. This is going to be a major thing to pay attention to as we are in that stretch run to the playoffs. Break this down for us. What do you do with the Ravens backfield?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to be Edwards moving forward, but that's just like a, a gut instinct based on two things. So one, um, under Harbaugh, and I mean, granted, they've had different offensive coordinators for this, but under Harbaugh, um, they have almost like every year, kind of like at some point in the season, switched who their lead back is. So like Harbaugh isn't the type of coach who's like very loyal to any given runner. Uh, He tends to go with kind of like the hot hand of whoever is producing for him. And then the second thing is that um, like right now, uh, like I think he's on the hot seat and uh, what worked for him last week, I think is just going to be like instinctually what he will go with this week. You know, like I think he's in survival mode. So, Mm. uh, you know, he went with a new quarterback. They had a, a new system. Uh, It worked well with the quarterback running and with Gus Edwards as the running back there. I think they will go with that this week, especially because Alex Collins, even though he scored the touchdown, he wasn't uh, efficient at all with the touches that he got. So, uh, you know, and and Edwards is like a big bodied like grinder uh, who actually has pretty good speed, uh, wasn't productive at at Rutgers. But I mean, you know, that doesn't really mean much in the NFL. So if he's the guy who's getting carries and given what he did last week, I think he will be the guy getting carries. Um, He's interesting. Like we've seen running backs when partnered with uh, rushing quarterbacks have uh, success because of, of the read option and like what it opens up for them. So yeah, I mean, if Edwards is the guy, we don't know for sure he is going to be the guy, but if he's the guy, I mean, you have to pick him up. Like, this is going to air after everyone does waivers because we didn't record this on Monday because we were busy watching Monday night football like normal people. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think he's the number one person that you pick up on waivers this week.
3: Well, it, it, in a lot of my leagues, actually, waivers process Wednesday night. So I think that will make it for some. But All to, right. To, yeah. Yeah. So to kind of. Um, especially I think on my uh, my FFPC leagues, just about all of them do Wednesday night. So that, that's good, as I'm sure we have a lot of listeners playing in those leagues. But my take on this backfield, I agree with you. This definitely feels like a point in the season where there could be a very natural change over in the backfield for this team. I think that naturally you have to go after Edwards. And I think that you can play him as soon as this week. If you're an Alex Collins owner, maybe you just put him on the bench and see what's see what develops but you know it's not written in stone that his role is going to be gone so i don't know if you need to panic or anything like that but might not be optimal to play him this week another running back josh adams gets just seven attempts but scores a touchdown also saw six targets three receptions for 16.2 fantasy points matt the eagles got absolutely decimated adams might have been one of the only bright spots for this team, I personally add him to a couple of teams. I'm feeling okay about him moving forward. Uh,
1: yeah, he is really interesting. Uh, was super productive in college uh, at Notre Dame. Um, you know, he was undrafted, which I think that was a big mistake. Like somehow he should have been drafted. Um, big guy, decent speed, good agility for his size. Um, wasn't a a like super strong pass catcher, but like for a guy of his size, he was okay. Um, yeah. I, I think he's, I mean, it sucks in that he's in this committee and like, just based on what we've seen um, out of the coaching staff there, like we know that they prefer to use a committee, but I think he's going to be the lead guy in the committee and the goal back in the committee. So, um, you know, if you're desperate, he's going to have the best touches of the
3: group. Definitely. And, when you kind of recall what was in his profile, I feel like he was the type of guy, there was a couple of things you could look at that were very interesting, didn't have the strongest profile overall, uh, but he definitely did look to me like the type of the guy that would have enough ability when given opportunity to produce, so we'll have to see how that plays out then two rookie wide receivers that i wanted to mention Traquan smith with a huge day third nearly 32 fantasy points 13 targets 10 receptions 157 yards and a touchdown still i'm not certain that in the new orleans offense you can count on this level of targets each and every week Is there any chance so that he can be a weekly playmat between now and the end of the season
1: Uh, yeah, but I think more as like your wide receiver three, or Mm -hmm. is the the guy that he's sort of like the stretch where you're like looking for the big game. Um, it's not uncommon for you to see, especially like with talented, uh, wide receivers, uh, for those guys to get a bump in the second half of their rookie season. It happened with T.Y. Hilton. It happened with Josh Gordon, you know, like guys who they need to acclimate a little bit. They need to, you know, learn the scheme. They need to get timing with the quarterback. But then once they have that down, um, you know, if these are guys that you are projecting at some point to be good NFL players, that production can start as early as the second half of their first year. And uh, Traquan Smith is someone who should be projected to be a good NFL player uh, for a number of reasons. His college production his uh, athletic profile, and then especially the fact that he was uh, a top 100 pick who was paired with Drew Brees. So he's like in this perfect situation. So like I don't think he's someone that you uh, you lock in like hoping that you get uh, what you got last week, like every week. But I think he's someone that you maybe strategically use – um, you know, for like a long shot, you know, like if you're going against someone who just has a clearly superior team, and your only chance of winning is to have a big game by someone like that, he has the potential
3: to give you a big game. Can't disagree with any of that. Uh, that that's more or less exactly where I would sit. Now, DJ Moore. Another rookie wide receiver that we've talked about a couple of times gets to 28.7 fantasy points, cut seven of eight targets, 157 yards and a touchdown. Same question. Are we rolling DJ Moore out there on a weekly basis now? You know, I'm much
1: closer to him as a a weekly player, uh, in part because not only is he getting the snaps, but um, he is getting fairly consistent targets. Um, with the exception of week nine, where he saw only two targets, uh, he's had five targets in each of the last six games. Um, and it's coincided with the absence, obviously of Torrey Smith. And then also like, he's getting like around like one carry per game. And he's like actually doing okay with that. like getting anywhere from, you know, like five to 10 yards. Uh, so it's just like this extra kind of little bonus that he has, um, yeah, he's someone who is interesting. I think he's um, – I'm trying to think of the right way of describing him. But, I mean, he's – so so how I described him coming out was basically like uh, the production of Hakeem Nicks with like the uh, athleticism. Sorry, the production and like body of Hakeem Nicks with the athleticism of Percy Harvin. Um, the, the Like the thing that worries me about him a little bit is I don't think his offense is – um, quite as predictable as new Orleans offense. Like I think you can basically always count well, as long as they're in the superdome, but you, even on the road, you can count on new Orleans to be a pretty good unit. You can't always do that with, um, with the Panthers. So Moore is a little, I don't know. He's a little more uncertain, but at the same time, I I feel stronger about his target floor. So I would feel a little bit safer on a week to week basis of
3: locking him in. I'm in the same boat as you, uh, a major reason being that perhaps Christian McCaffrey is the most talented player in that offense. We're going to remove cam because you know, he's not competing right. with cam necessarily uh, being a receiver. So it does, as we've talked about before, make se- it makes more sense for this team to prioritize using him, which is reflected also in him getting those, you know, one or two t- carries a game, as you talked about.
4: Listen, let me ask a question. Could you, um, expand the space underneath the desk, you know, give it a little more headroom.
3: Marquez Valdez Scantling, just 1.8 points, one wreck on three targets, eight yards. Did I miss something here? Like, did he get injured? Like, no, What I happened?
1: no, I don't think he got injured. Um, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. He's, he's a fifth round rookie who is getting playing time because players ahead of him are injured. Um, You know, so even though he's playing with a great quarterback, at some point games like this are going to happen. So, um, you know, I don't know if he's someone I would actually want to have in my starting lineup anyway, but uh, if you were starting him, I don't think the thesis for starting him is any different than what it was last week, except now Randall Cobb is one week closer to coming back and actually (laughs) might come
3: back this week. All right can, can, we talked about this preseason, but let's have a let's let's have an actual conversation about Randall Cobb right now I, is Randall Cobb from a fantasy perspective being like a major thing to, that that window is closed, right? yeah, I think he's dead, okay yep so we, we we are throwing the dirt on the grave, yeah, I think so. I would be surprised if he's actually even on the Packers next year. Yeah, I kind of I kind of would too. So um unfortunately another player that we've sent off to Greener Pastures this season. Now Dalvin Cook. Eeks. Two fantasy points, Matt. Nine attempts, just twelve yards, did catch three of three targets for negative two yards. Also lost a fumble. Um you know, Latavius Murray didn't do very well either, but I, I do think that this is a notable performance as some people were banking on their teams, kind of regrouping, getting stronger when Cook returned. Is this a bad sign or do we just have to kind of look past this if we're Cook owners?
1: No, I think it's a horrible sign. And I think it's a, I mean, it's like, it's the worst case scenario of what I think is the realistic scenario with him. um, the one good game he has was against Detroit, which is one of the worst teams in the league against the run. All of his other games, and like granted, he's probably still dealing with some residual like hamstring issues and things like that. Right. Um. But all of his other games have been bad, uh, and they've been against other teams that you know, like San Francisco is not good against the run. He didn't do anything against them. Green Bay isn't really all that good. Uh, the Rams are notoriously weak on run defense. Um, Chicago, you know, it's fine. Like they're a good team, um, but yeah, like twelve yards on nine <laughs> nine rushes, uh, and then <laughs> losing yards as a receiver. Like th- this is kind of like what he is this season, and that's not to say that that's what he's going to be next year. But I think this is a pretty lost year for him.
3: Yeah, that is certainly what it feels like. I still think that Cook is a talented player. Things have just not worked out for him very well at this point. And I think that this is kind of a lost season, like you said. Now, Trey Burden has had a bit of an up and down season in that game against the Vikings yesterday, gets one of one um, targets for just nine yards, 1.9 points on the day. I'm inclined to say that you don't read too much into this. If you're a burden owner, you're still playing him every week. So I'm going to ask you more of a global question right here. Do you think that he lived up to the hype in this uh, bears offense?
1: No. Um, his touchdown production, has camouflaged the fact that he hasn't really gotten many targets on a per game basis. Um, he has one game of 11 targets and that's, that's, that's a lot for any tight end, but after that, all of his other games, he's had six targets or fewer. Um, most of the time he's around like that four to five target range, which like that's that's not really good for like what you were hoping out of like a move tight end. Like people had visions of Travis Kelsey when when they were thinking of Trey Burton this year. And like the I guess that was just like unrealistic expectations, but like no one In this wide receiver unit was established when Burton came here, and there still like isn't really anyone who's established. Like Allen Robinson has been in and out of the lineup. Um, You know, Anthony Miller is a rookie. Uh, Taylor Gabriel is. I mean, he's not like a gadget player, but he's not like a strong like high volume target type of guy. Like you would have expected that at some point. Trey Burton would kind of become maybe not like the focal point of the passing offense, but like a very strong option in the passing offense. And that just hasn't materialized. He's basically been capped at like four to five targets per game. Um, And he's been fortunate that a lot of those have turned into touchdowns, but like, that's not something that's sustainable. So basically when the touchdown well dries up, you're going to be looking at like the disappointing version of Jordan Reed.
3: Well, here's my take on Burden, right? He had a couple of big games in Philadelphia, a team that is good at using their tight end and a team that had a very solid offense last season. Everybody gets excited because you're moving him into a situation where it looks like he can play the role of another player. But I think that many people lost sight of the fact that this was a guy that is... Maybe a decent tight end, but a lot of what we were getting excited with him about was more or less just the player that he was supposed to be, you know, the thought that, oh, you know, he was doing what Zach Ertz could do. Could he do what Travis Kelsey does? But at the end of the day, he's not that caliber of player. Um, so I think in a realistic sense, you know, he's having a decent season. But for people that were hoping that the Bears, who they, uh, they have done better than I thought they would, would be this, you know, reinvigorated team, much like the Rams were, you know, that didn't really Pan out. Yeah. Sp- oh, you, you go know, ahead. One more thing to jump onto this. Yep. Um, what is interesting,
1: I think, is like Adam Shaheen is coming back. Like, I think he is actually much more of the intriguing player because he's like a real two way tight end. Like, Burton can't do what Ertz does and what Kelsey does because he's not their size. He's like 6'3, 235 pounds. Those guys are like 6'5, 250, 260 pounds. You know, like he's a he's a different type of player than they are. Um, So, you know, I I think he's capped in that way. And it really wouldn't be surprising if uh, when Shaheen comes back, he actually starts to take away some of the target volume for Burton, which like really hinders him. So, like, if if you're in a league where you can still trade, if you're, you know, like whatever it is, like, I think we've maybe seen the high point for Burton.
3: Also, keep in mind, too, that when he was at Florida... He didn't play tight end uh, the entire time he was there. He got moved around from a couple positions. So, yeah. you know, he doesn't necessarily have this mold like you mentioned. And also from a technical aspect too, I have to imagine he still doesn't have some of these skills that a player that's been playing that position, you know, their whole football career would probably have. So yeah. I, I think that I agree with you. We probably have seen likely, you know, the peak, especially from a value perspective that he's going to have. So you may want to cash in on that. Well, it's well, it's still there now in in the spirit of being thankful, uh, I, I hope that everybody out there is thankful for the tremendous amount of podcasts that the RotoViz Network is producing each and every week and all of the work that goes into it. We certainly appreciate everybody listening and love bringing you all of the shows that we do. With that in mind, if you want to really show your appreciation and help us out, head over to our Patreon page patreon.com forward slash rotoviz radio sign up come and join us on the sunday rotoviz live show as we're getting into the holiday season as we're getting further into the season um you know some people uh just don't have the time to get there every sunday what does that leave it leaves a tremendous opportunity for you to really pick our brains and get all of your questions Answered as we've been, you know, been able to get through just a, a tremendous amount of questions each and every week, and I think we've made some pretty good calls. So you know, definitely make sure if you have some hard decisions that you check us out. Uh, so you know, head over to Patreon and come support the shows. Okay, Matt, Joe Devola, crazy stat of the week, and here is the drop. And it's crazy, Joe
2: This is from that kid from that crazy Joe Devola.
4: Yeah. It's crazy Crazy joe Devola. Of
3: what so with us getting this out late it being thanksgiving week in the interest of time i am not going to do much editing so we may be able to have a little awkward transitions there with the uh, drops but you know what we're just going to go with it so the joe de crazy stat of the week some of this is laziness some of this is just how ridiculous was that Rams Chiefs game? There are stats for days that we could talk about here. How yeah. how crazy was it, Matt? Uh,
1: it was amazing. I I believe it was the the third highest scoring game in NFL history. Definitely closed uh, with the highest uh, over under in NFL history. Like there was just no way I was not watching that game. Uh, it lived and, up
3: to it too. It really did.
1: Yeah, I mean, like uh, it 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 lived up to the hype, and then it totally exceeded the hype. Um, fantastic ending, uh, you know, with Mahomes throwing two interceptions or or just throwing the first interception, then having, uh, getting the ball back, having the opportunity again to score, then throwing the second interception, uh, the defensive scores, uh, this was just, this was such a great game, um even if this ends up not being like the Super Bowl, yep. uh, I'm, I almost kind of hope it's not the Super Bowl because I don't see how the Super Bowl could live up to this. Like this was this was just, this is the game of the year. This is like the game of the
3: past few seasons at least. Absolutely. This game was so dense with action that I actually think I need to go back to digest fully what happened because it seemed like, you know, there was crazy play after crazy play. You have the... uh, uh what, uh, I forget who it was, but who was the defender that the Rams have that, like, on the defensive line hit the ball and then intercepted it? There was just crazy was he, like, plays. like it, like, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think it was somebody like that, yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, so you had crazy plays like that, and then, like, two seconds later there was just another, like absolute like shocking play yeah like literally
1: every play in that game felt like a highlight like i haven't gone back to nfl.com to like look at the highlights but i feel like the highlights would almost be like a condensed version of nfl game pass like i mean every play felt significant in that game
3: yeah so patrick mahomes six touchdowns 478 yards jared goff four hundred. 13 yards, four touchdowns. Um, Perhaps the only real surprising thing in this game was the lack of uh, usage of Todd Gurley, which didn't really matter for the Rams as they had the outcome that they needed. And I guess it has to do somewhat with an ankle issue, Uh, but just a, a absolute ridiculous game. So, Matt, get this going into the game in one of my leagues. I'm up 50 points. That gap is closed to zero points at the half. The, my opponent has three players. They end up winning by 50 points. It was a 100-point swing because they had Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Harrison Butker. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you can do. No, yeah. there was nothing I could do. So I, I was talking to my brother before the game. We placed the probability that it should be around like 58% of the time I win that matchup. And by, ha- by the time halftime came around, he just called up and he was like, well, I would say that that's already, already gone. We definitely yeah. had that wrong. So In,
1: in the Scott Fishbowl, um, I had no quarterbacks this past
3: week and I still ended up winning because I had Tyreek Hill. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, an absolutely ridiculous. What was his line? I think it was like, uh, 215 yards, Oh my! two God. touchdowns on 10 receptions. Oh my gosh. Wow. Kelsey had 10 receptions too. All right. Just yeah. reading through this, Chris Conley, seven wrecks, 74 yards, two touchdowns. Oh my gosh. This game was ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I mean, so
3: what's amazing is that, um,
1: I mean, I don't know if this like hurts Mahomes. Uh, or if he sort of just stays where he is in the MVP race, because it was like a, uh, magnificently productive game, but he did throw the two interceptions at the end. And like, you have Drew Brees, who's playing lights out in new Orleans. So like, it's interesting that like, even though Mahomes had like, what might have been the game of the year, um, um, like it, it might be the difference between like him not getting MVP you know like if they win this game i think he's probably
3: uh much closer to the MVP than he is now i would agree with that also with it being on that huge monday night stage um if he had pulled out you know the victory I think he probably would have had it, but I can definitely see how there's going to be this compelling narrative that goes behind everything with Drew Brees. Very likable guy. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But yeah, this really uh, sets Mahomes back in that regard. Uh, So, you know, that was like, there was so much that went on. It's almost hard to really provide good analysis. So anyways, we're just like Josh Reynolds, like coming out of nowhere.
1: I I guess it's not like out of nowhere. Um, You know, like you're expecting him to get... Uh, all of the snapshare that otherwise would have gone to Cooper cup, but I don't think you're expecting him to get eight targets. Um, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting like a 680 and one type of performance. Um, I mean, he looked, he looked much better out there than I thought he would. Um, so if he can, if he can function um, and be good enough on the outside where they can afford to move Robert Woods into the slot,
3: then that really means a lot to that offense definitely does. That definitely does. Uh, and, and also actually one closing thought on this, Matt, have you ever been impressed by a defense in a game in which their opponent scores 51 points? Cause I was actually impressed with the Rams despite that, you know, how many touchdowns they gave up through the air.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have, um, like an opportunistic defense. Uh, and I think that's, that's intentional. I, I think they're not really worried about giving up yards I think they're always going for the, the turnover or the big play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can – I don't know. I mean, it's it's an offensive league at this point, And maybe um, it's, it's a better defensive philosophy to try to create a defense where you don't care at all about the run. Um, you, like, explicitly are just going for sacks and interceptions and fumbles – Uh, That might be better than trying to have like a staunch defense that actually plays defense.
3: That's an interesting thought, but I can definitely see how there would be some validity to that. Uh, But so to close things up here, I think that we're definitely going to see the Rams in the Super Bowl. I do not think that we're going to see the Chiefs. uh, And as you said, perhaps it's best that we just leave it at that. So trending up. Let's do it a little bit different this week because we've talked about some other things for a length of time. You just tell me if you agree with these players trending up and, you know, you view view them as on a very solid trajectory or not. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 18.9 points per game over the last four games. I think he's been pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Um, Good, I think,
1: rest of the season schedule. And uh, I like what they've done with him uh, once they've changed coordinators.
3: Yes, Definitely. Uh, A player that I think it would be hard to disagree with here, Aaron Jones. We finally now have definitely seen him solidify himself as the guy the last two weeks, 29.2 points, uh, 22.3 over the weekend, three touchdowns in the last two games, 11 targets. How good are you feeling about Aaron Jones? Can he be a quote unquote league winner?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, he is making me kind of reevaluate. I go back and forth on kind of how I think about guys mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of like, do I want to target um, what I view as opportunity or do I want to try to target talent? And like, he was never someone whose uh, talent I questioned. It was always whether or not he would be able to get the opportunity. And I wish I would have been more aggressive in targeting his talent in leagues in uh, figuring that eventually
3: that would win out. Right. All right. So this is how I kind of think about that. And I'm going to analogize this by sharing a life tip with everybody out there. Okay. When you're at the grocery store or like a pharmacy or anything, and there are decently sized lines, there's a simple equation for how you choose the line that is going to be the quickest. It's basically... You draw a graph and on the x-axis, x-axis, you have the age of the people that are in that line and on the y, you have the age of the cashier. And when you draw those out and you plot where they are, what you're going to find is naturally you want the lowest age of the cashier and you want the lowest age of the people in front of you. And that is how you find the quickest line. So how I view... No, it's true. It really is. <laughs> This I'm is not, a huge life skill. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you, but that is totally ageist. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's completely ageist. Michael Scott somewhere is getting very, <laughs> yeah. very upset. Yeah, it is ageist. But no, this is why. Because the, the older people in front of you, they have the coupons. They haven't fully digested when the coupon is valid through. They pull out the checkbook. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. all kinds of stuff like that. You know, it's like how Seinfeld said that he, does, he doesn't get why old people are driving uh, so slow because they have the least amount of time. Right. But you know, they don't have to be anywhere. So now now that I've offended our uh our older listeners, uh we'll move on, we'll move on. So the opportunity and talent thing, I think it's kind of the same type of deal. Um except that in this case you want to just, you know, maximize the two. So I think you can you, know, you can have A situation where a player is not that talented but if the opportunity is really vast they could be more valuable than a player that's very talented with a slim opportunity so you know it's not necessarily like a binary type of thing um i think we're probably best to just kind of balance the two so that was a long-winded way of getting at a simple thought danny Amendola, jakeem grant now out for the season i believe a really really beat up wide receiving core. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is supposed to be back. Uh, Amendola we've seen in his last five games, get to around 14 points, uh, three times also with a 20 pointer in there and then a 10 point you buying Amendola.
1: Yeah. He's uh, kind of the last man standing and he's really locked in to that slot role, especially with Albert Wilson out. Um, so yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think he's a a high upside guy in the way that you normally think a high upside, but, Um, He does have upside in the fact that he is getting targets, and I think he definitely
3: has an elevated floor because of the targets. So, yeah, definitely buying him. Me too. Three players on the decline. We talked about Alex Collins losing work to Gus Edwards, so I think we can gloss over that. Another Raven, though, that I'm concerned about, not only because of the questions at quarterback, um, but for a number of reasons. Michael Crabtree, we've started to see his numbers really dip, especially from a fantasy point perspective over the last three games, has gone for 6, 6.2, and 1.7. You know, he was the type of guy that you could fill in to a flex button on your roster if you needed it, but I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to roll him out in any leagues the rest of the season.
1: Oh, no. Yeah, it's absolutely horrible. Um, and I like the idea of Lamar Jackson in the future that he might have, but, um, right now with Crabtree and with John Brown, um, just any, any pass catcher in that offense is basically dead.
3: Yeah, they, they are. I think if I had to roll out one, it would probably be Willie Sneed. Um, just given kind of what I've seen the last couple of weeks, which is kind of why I had to relegate Crabtree here. And it's kind of disappointing because the schedule did set up so well for them and you know, they're receivers in a team that was passing so much, but I think it's just going to be so hard to determine what you're going to get that you really cannot go with the wide receivers in that offense. I have another serious question for you. Do you think that David and Joko has some type of gastrointestinal issue? That they just have to take him off like he just goes missing he disappears is he in the bathroom what's he doing
1: i I don't know he's he's on the field running routes um but it's it's not good um the the change in offensive coordinator has not been good for him it's been good for other people on the team but it's really damaged him.
3: Yeah, it has. So over the weekend, just one target. Week eight against Pittsburgh, it completely disappeared. Zero targets, four against Tampa Bay, four against KC. And we saw a stretch between weeks four and seven where he was getting involved. He was getting in the end zone. You know, the highest target volume there was seven, but obviously there's a huge difference between getting even six targets and just one. So David and Joku, this is a serious question. I don't think that he should be a surefire starter you actually might be able to go out and get another tight end that's better than him right now
1: yeah I agree um and he's not playing as many snaps either like that's the big thing so um in his previous games with uh with Mayfield Mayfield he was seeing um at least 80% of the snaps the last two games he's had 73% of the snaps and 66% of the snaps so like he's he's losing opportunities um so it's yeah it's a negative situation with him
3: yeah not not good at all so give us a player that we can replace these njoku type of disappointments with right now or you know maybe you're not dropping njoku i don't know that depends on your team but th- that, that's my way of transitioning to your number one waiver priority which now people have had to wait a whole extra 24 hours so you know there's people like i don't know if you watch south park but the episode where cartman is waiting for the new video game system that's what these people are like they're in front of them all <laughs> pacing back and forth um i mean
1: the horrible situation is that there is really nobody on waivers for you to pick up it at tight end. Um, you know, like you can maybe say a prayer for like Benjamin Watson and hope that he gets a touchdown and gets Atlanta. But like, I don't think that's, that's not good process. So basically if you have Njoku, I think you have to start him. Okay. Um, actually no, well maybe Cameron Brate. Um, and the reason why is because like his splits with Winston, like Winston does look for Brait. That's very um, true. Yeah. So there, there is some potential there, but I would still feel really uncertain about starting Brait over Injoku. Um, so yeah, Injoku, uh, if you have him, he's basically the guy you have to go with. Um, we've mentioned Gus Edwards. Like I think he's the guy that you have to go with if he's out there. You, I don't know. At this point, you basically I think probably spend whatever it is that you have left on fab you might as well. Yeah. There's Um, no reason not to. Yeah. Like that's just, you're at that point of the season. Um, If you need him, you probably really need him. So you probably have to, you know, pay all the way up for him. Um, At wide receiver, Amandola is out there um, in a lot of leagues. And I think he's probably um, someone to pick up. Like he's probably the person about whom I feel the most confident in, in getting targets consistently on a week-to-week basis you know there are some other guys out there who are uh kind of like more hell hell mary plays um someone who is interesting but you won't be able to use him this week like chris conley is out there in a lot of leagues i think um he's obviously tied to sammy watkins um like i don't think we really know what sammy watkins issue is like when he's coming back, if he's coming back, how healthy he's going to be and how they're going to use him. So like Chris Conley is someone who maybe is like a, a dart throw, like a, a like a, that's like a real Hail Mary, um, maybe someone to, to pick up.
3: Yeah. And, and also to jump back to Cameron Brate, just in case people did not hear OJ Howard has been sent to the IR so, that you, know, you add that together yeah. with Winston and those splits, and, and I think that he's definitely worth taking a shot on um, as you're really going to be hard-pressed to find a, a situation that looks as positive as that does right now. And I think that an important thing to keep in mind is we are certainly at the point in the season now where the number of guys that are going to pop up on the waiver wire and the length of time in which they're going to be usable is not that much. So... If you're still in the hunt and you need help, I think that you spend a tremendous amount of your budget. If you are one of the front runners in your league, I think that you dedicate some of your budget to adding those defenses that you're going to want in your championship rounds, maybe your semifinals, or if you you look ahead, get the quarterbacks to stream, something like that. But Still, I think that now is the time to use your money. There's only so much time left that it's really going to have any value. There's definitely deflation that occurs the longer we get into the season. So go ahead and and spend up this week. Speaking of streaming quarterbacks, Matt, I want to get your opinion on this. When I go into the Stat Explorer, I look at the playoff weeks for quarterbacks. Dak Prescott has a pretty easy schedule What's your feel on Dak? Is he the type of guy that would be a viable streamer against very accommodating defenses and that you would trust uh, in weeks 14 through 16? So he gets Philly, Indy, and then Tampa Bay in week 16.
1: Man, um, I don't know. I I mean, probably. I'm sort of like a, a Dak, I don't know, pessimist. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he has looked better now that they have Amari Cooper. Uh, he does have a good schedule. And um let's assume that the Cowboys are uh in the playoff hunt. I think they probably will be. So uh that's a good thing. Like you you will have a quarterback and a team that is out there like trying their hardest to win games. Uh and later in the season, like that is kind of significant. You know, they're not gonna be screwing around like kind of experimenting with uh he Scrub players just to see if they have someone they might be able to use in the future. So yeah, I mean, I think he's he's viable, um, but you're you're probably not gonna feel very confident about it. But um, yeah, he's definitely viable.
3: The other option that people could go with would be Josh Rosen, who has Detroit, who ranks twenty sixth, Atlanta thirty two. Other than the Rams, who actually ranked twenty fifth. In week 16, out of those two, do you prefer one over the other? (laughs) Yeah,
1: not Rosen.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think the only case you could make would be like, if they're like, all right, let's just get Larry Fitzgerald as many stats as possible. And they basically just have him throw it to Fitz the entire, you know, remainder of the season. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Even then. Uh, I I wouldn't wouldn't do it
3: (laughs) yeah no I'm with you there so fantasy games of the upcoming week obviously we talked about the Falcons and Saints the Sunday nighter Packers Vikings so many fantasy players involved in that one so a good way to close off the weekend there I think Um, let's quickly pop into the bonus round Matt who is this year's fantasy MVP
1: oh man Uh, I don't know Cause I'm trying to think of, uh, kind of like the value of Mm -hmm. where someone was drafted. Right. And, uh, and so some of that just depends on kind of the time of year of when you did your drafts. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Mahomes is, is like a kind of clear example of someone who's just totally outperformed. Um, but it's, it's also at the same time, kind of hard to say a quarterback because there's just a lot of replaceability at the position. Um, I don't. I don't know. Tyree Kill is someone who's kind of popping uh, in my mind, but I don't know if that's accurate in right. terms of someone who's provided a ton of value. I think. I don't know. Do you have an idea? Yeah. Do you have a sense of this?
3: Yeah. Well, I think that the, the most popular answer would probably be James Conner. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, uh, yes. But if we want to go somewhere else. I think that Adam Thielen makes a very strong case because yeah. I think on some teams you were getting him like I'm in an FFPC league where he was my fourth wide receiver behind like Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. So the reason that to me he would go down as the MVP is because you were able to stack him with players that were so tremendous and then he single-handedly won you a couple of weeks. So I think he's kind of like the dark horse candidate that people will forget about. But for me, I think he makes a strong case. Obviously, we can't actually determine this until it plays out, but I think the the strongest cases can probably be made for Connor and Thielen.
1: Yeah, I I think those are great answers. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, And I would say like, um, not that these people have actually like been the most valuable, but like I think honorary kind of, like, mention goes to, um, well, this, I, it, I don't know, I'm, I'm screwing this up, but, like, someone <laughs> like Mark Ingram, who was suspended for yeah. four games, and then like, I think those guys who, uh, like, everyone knows they're going to miss, like, the first chunk of the season, those guys, I think, are always undervalued relative to what they give you when they are actually in the game, you know, so, um, even though he's not the most consistent player, um I think where you were able to get Mark Ingram, he's provided value. Uh, Same with someone like uh, Julian Edelman. Like there are like, I don't know, just like general philosophy. I always want some of those guys on my team um, that people, I think, discount too much because they're going to miss the first, you know, like two to four games of the season.
3: Well, I wish that I had discounted Le'Veon Bell.
1: Well, yes,
3: yeah, <laughs> that, that yeah. would have been a good thing to do.
1: Let, let me rephrase that. Um, they are suspended for a defined period of
3: time, and people uh, discount them too much for that. Right. Versus the player that just decides they're not gonna, not they might not show up, and then decides yeah. to do that. The, the player who
1: and... decides he doesn't like, I don't know, was it fourteen to sixteen million dollars, whatever it was. Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. Um, so. I want to close out by bringing up something I've meant to tell you for a, a while on the show now. Have, I have not mentioned this to you, but when I was in third grade, I invented the BCS.
1: Okay. Congratulations. The bowl, thank
3: you. The bowl championship series. I invented that concept. Uh, let's see. So I think I was in sixth grade when they rolled it out, but I had been taking Bill Walsh college football 95 and I had been by hand tracking like point differentials and all kinds of stuff and was like charting and graphing it and doing all kinds of stuff. And I had a I had a system. I wish that I still had the papers that basically was like the computer thing. And my parents actually had this like old computer that only did word processing. And I would type up all the results in that and print it out. Um, and it was basically the BCS. So um, I, just, I just felt like sharing that.
1: I don't know what to say after that, um, except that I always knew I was uh – in the presence of podcasting and overall human greatness,
3: uh, <laughs> so it's it's great to have that confirmed. Yes. Um, well, actually, I think what made me what reminded me of that is you know they have the Dr Pepper commercials with the guy that's saying like he invented the BCS, but every time I see it, I'm like, no, I actually invented the BCS.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't. Uh, I can't claim to have done anything that cool, uh, but I will make a recommendation for a podcast that I think people uh, should listen to. Conan O'Brien is starting his own podcast. Uh, I think it's called like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend or something like that. And the first episode came out this week and it's uh, him doing, uh, you know, like an hour long interview with uh, Will Ferrell. Um, It's funny. So anyway, that's just like, if people want a non-sports podcast,
3: um, that's something that uh, people might enjoy. Yeah, that, that's a good one, too, because I think when we gave out uh, – well, actually, you kind of had a humorous one, too, um, that you had mentioned before. Uh, so, on that note, I think it's probably time to close this down. I hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving. Matt, are you hosting Thanksgiving? Uh, no, I do not host Thanksgiving because I am a curmudgeon. Really? So, so where do you guys go? Like, are you even doing anything?
1: Yeah, uh, friends.
3: So, a, a Friendsgiving type of thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be good. Okay. Okay. See, I am a curmudgeon, but we, um, I actually, the only time that I, I think I ever want people in my house is Thanksgiving because I enjoy actually hosting Thanksgiving and, uh, making all the food in that because I have complete control over the menu and how it's cooked. Um, so this is like the one time and it's really just a control thing. So anyway, it's sort of, it's sort of like our podcast. Yes. You, you have,
1: you have total control <laughs> of the
3: outline. I do. <laughs> I, hey, I mean, if you want to take over doing the outline, it's up no, to you. No, I, I, I don't. That's yes. that's
1: why. See, it's, it's a perfect situation. You want to have control, and I want you to have control.
3: <laughs> the outline is a very slept-on aspect of the podcast. The outline's hard to do, even even though like it seems. I don't know if you're just listening; it sh- it shouldn't seem like a tough thing, but it t- it takes a little bit of time. No, so, yeah, because
1: yeah, it takes time. You have to research. You have to decide like who you want to focus on, right? You know, for any given conversation. Yeah. It takes time.
3: It does. And you don't want to, the other thing is trying not to overlap too much, even though there might be like obvious players that come up and just trying to make sure that you like round things out. And then the other thing is I'm trying to make sure that we don't talk too much about things that the other shows might talk about. So it's a bit of a circle of trying to yeah. figure that all out. Hey, you know, here's, here's one question. Yeah. Uh, one, okay. So Jameis Winston is on
1: waivers in a lot of leagues. Yep. Do you pick him up?
3: Yeah, I think you do. I do. Yeah. I think if you're going to need the quarterback up, yeah, you do.
1: Yeah and i th- i think like he's probably better than a lot of the quarterback options that people have. Uh he has a good matchup this week and he's in a prolific offense. So like he's he's some like i wouldn't say like he's the number one person i would pick up but like at quarterback he's probably the number one quarterback i would pick up.
3: Yeah, actually that's a great point. I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that and added that in before we close down. Uh, because if you look at what Fitzpatrick was doing, you looked at that one game that Winston had and historically, uh, you know, at this point in the season, there's not going to be, um, or there might not be better options than him that you're going to get on your wire at certain points. So I think if you need the quarterback help, he's not a bad stash because what if things click and you do get a couple of those Ryan Fitzpatrick like performances. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for adding that in, Matt. Um, that's going to do it for today's episode. We hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at CabinF. My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at Matt F. The MattFTheOracle. Uh, give us your tough calls of the week. You can still do that. Uh, call in to 978-925-7628. This has been Roto-Viz Radio. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review and be sure to tune in next week. And remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Thank you for listening to RoboViz Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at radio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at RoboViz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to RoboViz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage of roboviz.com forward slash podcast.